0: Stardate 741208, maybe? Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant Captain Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have
1: Mariah Gossett
0: and Grant Davis. Our chief engineer, Clyde Haynes, is on an away mission to an ancient generation ship today, so let's hope he doesn't start making new planets in space, but this week, We are live streaming the pod on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, covering the fourth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Moist vessel.
1: So moist. Mm -hmm. Moisty.
0: It's
1: like a cake.
0: (laughs) Yes, like a cake, not like what Mariner has to clean up on the holodeck. Mm -mm. And before we jump into that episode, Mariah, can you tell the people how they can never miss an episode of this here Star Trek podcast?
1: If you never want to miss an episode of our ramblings about lower decks and other new Star Trek shows and beyond, you can make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. Uh, We're also live on YouTube at 9 p.m. Central Time on Thursday evenings, giving you all our hot freaks of what we thought about these latest episodes. And all the links, of course, are at StarTrekPod.co.
2: And I'm going to go ahead and piggyback off of that to remind you guys that if you are checking this out and you like our show and you want a little bit more, we encourage you to go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod where you can make a per episode pledge. Give us a buck or two an episode. I think we always say two. give us two bucks an episode and you will be invited to our exclusive Slack channel where you can join a bunch of other passionate Trekkies discussing all things Trek discussing the world of Trek, the books of Trek, the films, and and the many many shows, both out now, of the past and yet to come. Uh, we are also doing uh, a lot of uh, bonus exclusive stuff just for our patrons, including uh, deep dives into uh, a lot of the movies that have been made. I think currently we are we are at Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. which is part of the Kelvin verse. It's the the third in the thus far trilogy. And we're going to be discussing that soon for just our patrons. And if you want to hear our thoughts on that silly movie, or is it silly? Maybe it's it's perfectly fine and enjoyable and nothing to mock about it. Um, you can hey, come yes, join us at Star Trek <laughs> Pod, uh, patreon.com slash Star Trek Pod. We'd love to have you guys join us. And we thank everyone who has thus far for your support.
0: Thanks. And if you are watching us live tonight on YouTube, uh, please do participate in the live chat. And if you have a comment or a question you want us to address later on during the pod, just type uh, the word POD, P-O-D in all caps, before your comment, and hopefully we'll mention it a little later. Okay, let's talk Lower Decks. Episode 4 is titled Moist Vessel, directed by Barry J. Kelly who apparently has directed lots of Venture Brothers and Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures, and written by Ann Kim. And listeners, viewers, if it's your first time joining us, you might be expecting us to give you our hot takes on this episode of Lower Decks, but this is Star Trek Discovery Pod. We don't give you hot takes. We give you hot freaks.
1: Hot freaks! It's back, baby. It's back. (laughs)
0: Mariah, kick us off, then Grant, and then I'll go.
1: Awesome. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really liked this episode a lot, just in general. Um, And I feel like it was a continuation from last week, in that it is totally focusing on that sort of workplace situational comedy. Uh, When, you know, we have someone who's figured out how to make even the smallest menial dumb tasks and make them fun and of course that's going to get under the skin of management who just wants them to leave (laughs) uh i've definitely worked at places that didn't like firing people because then you get things like unemployment and so they would just instead make your life a living hell so you would leave (laughs) so i definitely related to mariner in this respect um but she manages to find ways to make nothing into something um and enjoy it along the way Um, And the entire meeting about office chairs made me laugh probably too hard because I have 100% been in that meeting. And I think if anyone has ever worked in an office, you've been in a meeting like that. Um, Beyond that, I also really enjoyed that this episode sort of takes that millennial trope that we always move back in with our parents and sort of flips it on its head a little bit, right? Like she didn't really move back in with her mom. She's somehow just back on this ship with her mom. Um, You know, I think us millennials, or at least millennials on earth can relate in that, uh, you know, not everyone qualifies for entry level jobs that you have to have five years of experience for. And so we can't afford to live places. So we have to live with our parents. Um, you know, and even beyond that, I really love seeing Mariner and Freeman's relationship continue to develop in this, in this episode. Um, You know, me and my parents, specifically me and my mom, we definitely know what our limits are about how much time we can spend together. Um, And so we plan our trips accordingly. And so that moment at the end when she's like, think of us, mommy and captain together forever. And that look of doom. I was like, oh, that's when you hit that day too many of hanging out with your parents. So, yeah, (laughs) I like this episode a lot.
2: yeah Uh, yeah, definitely a big fan of this episode i think the strengthening relationship of mariner and freeman is excellent it's well done the continuing kind of um just adventures and exploits and um I mean, I like seeing Boimler try to break bad a little bit and, and and probably at the worst possible time with with such an innocuous little, like, oops, I spilled something. I'm a bad rebel. <laughs> um, that that part really killed me. And I thought, yeah, just using this um, ancient ship as a, uh, that, that can sprout life, I, I thought there was some uh, interesting kind of... Uh, parallels in the the reblossoming of the relationship or whatever they were trying to kind of go for there uh overall it was a, a fun episode and <clears> i was kind of getting echoes of the 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 ship with like wrath of Khan kind of thing with this uh with all the the frozen people on that ship so
1: look at grant making references yeah I,
0: I
2: know and it wasn't like a reference
0: <laughs> to lost it was it was within
1: a track reference. within the,
0: the the realm of the show I I like this episode. I'm finding with every episode, Laura Dex kind of steers more and more into the direction of satire, which I'm enjoying that. It just kind of gets a little wackier and wackier every episode. This is a fourth episode, and I can already tell that this show has its own point of view, its own spirit, its own sense of what it's trying to do on a theme level, on a comedy level. That shows a lot of promise. Like... If you go back and watch like season one of TNG or DS9, even some of Discovery, shit's a little shaky and they're still trying to figure a lot of things out. But here, uh, the show is just really showing it has a point of view already, and I love that. I like this episode a lot, probably more than last week's, which I thought had a lot of great little bits, but didn't really add, add up to much altogether. This one, though, it was smart. And centering on Mariner's relationship with her mom, zeroing, zeroing in on that and their differences, which gave us a good amount of character growth and some really funny mother-daughter butting heads conflict. I can definitely relate to that. Um, Karen in our Slack mentioned that the dynamic between Mariner and her mom, the captain, reminded her of the mother-daughter relationship in the movie Ladybird. And mm-hmm. I had to second that. It's like like in that movie. Obviously, this is more of a comedy, but it's potent, it's deep, it's also kind of silly, kind of goofy, and we get to see Mariner. Another thing I love about this episode, we get to see Mariner save the day by being the awesome genius slacker that she is, and that's my sweet spot: genius slackers saving the day, just like I do every night in my adolescent dreams. Uh, the B plots were a little whatever, but they did like the B plots are whatever, but. They were just kind of vehicles for really great jokes. One of my favorites be, being the, the skewering of that the sci-fi ascension trope. Oh my I God. think in every all- damn sci-fi series, there's always somebody like ascending. Uh, well, we had Kess in Voyager, right? And in this episode, they mentioned the Traveler from TNG and Q. And then there's a bunch of them in Stargate. So I love that. And who knew the universe was balanced on the back of a giant koala? I didn't know. We're
1: just all along for the ride.
0: I didn't know that. Okay, let's dive a little deeper into this episode. Uh, Guys, uh, I'm going to be straight with you. I've had a very long day and a very busy evening, and I just watched this one maybe about 20, 30 minutes ago. I just wrapped it up. So I'm going to lean on you guys a little bit for the meat of this episode, but tell me more of what you liked about this episode it sounds like we're all really digging the uh the mother-daughter dynamic we saw i have to be honest i didn't actually watch this so <laughs> it's uh, all me tonight right okay. take it away let's <laughs> just remove <laughs> grant and me from the stream here Bye. Let mariah um, Mariah solo hour it's, oh, me it's me
1: and uh and all the commenters um i thought the the cold open for a second i was almost like whoa this is a little disrespectful. And then I remembered this as a comedy, you know, mm-hmm. um, it was yeah, a little out of place for me.
2: I agree. It, it felt, it feels weird how blatantly, like, I don't know. It didn't even feel like clever in how disrespectful it was. It was just, I'm going to be a dick during your meeting. And there's, there's another level of, of discomfort to it because we now know that It's a mother-daughter relationship that's going on there. And that's why this is, in a way, being tolerated. I don't know. It it made me dislike Mariner in a way that, like, before I thought, like, there's a, there's more cleverness to uh, her her spiteful behavior toward her mother
0: and how she kind of needles at her. It felt brow. I I, I think later on in the episode, the show kind of earned that moment because Mariner you You realize that Mariner is as smart as she thinks she is, and all this shit does bore her because she probably just took a look at that what was on the view screen for a second and got all the information in an instant because she's such a such a genius and she, she was bored. Um, I think it's okay for her to be kind of a dick that way because it's not only is it funny, but I think the show just earns it. I think she earns it but when i when I did when I was watching this, uh, the first few minutes, I kind of felt the same way until the show went on and kind of earned it.
1: Right.
2: Well, I mean, I guess what I was kind of getting from that is it it, it seems to be a bit more revealing about what the relationship between her and her mother is in that she has a degree of hostility, perhaps from neglect from her mom. I'm guessing that like uh, the captain was, not necess- like more more interested in her own self-interest of of this ship than in mariner and this is how mariner kind of lashes out about that and i i say that not so much just from that scene but also seeing like how um captain was was uh reacting with freeman no with uh sorry ransom um when he was like suggesting things and she was just taking those ideas and those were her ideas now and she was moving forward with them and she's like he's like great great idea captain and i can see that being the type of thing that also happened in her relationship with mariner and mariner might have just been like you know what i i'm sick of you and i'm going to show blatant disrespect
1: yeah, I I wanted to just comment that I think Don Lewis, who cap, uh, voices Captain Freeman, and um and and uh, Tawny Newsom, I think have done a good. I don't know if they were able to record these voice pieces in the same room. I know that doesn't happen often with animation, but sometimes if it is like a an episode that's heavy with two characters interacting with each other, they will do that. Um, and I know like Bob's Burgers usually tapes with everyone in the same room, but I could really feel like they're I think they built a smart and good chemistry together as far as like how that relationship has been built. And I think this episode in particular, that like back and forth banter felt so organic and real to me.
0: It did feel real. I, it felt like, um, like the captain is Captain Freeman is a type of parent who wants the child to be just like her or the child needs to fit into a specific rubric that she can understand and appreciate the ideal Starfleet officer. We kind of got that from previous episodes, but it was laid pretty bare in this episode that that's what she wants. And that's what she expects from Mariner. And it blinds her to the fact that Mariner is such a, a a brilliant, fun, outstanding, interesting person. Uh, And she just doesn't get it. And it takes Mariner saving the ship Uh, for her to kind of start to get it at the end and i kind of like that dynamic and i like that mariner saves the ship in part by um using like a a formula that her mother came up with in her in her notes because she she is a type of person who um will see a good idea and uh will acknowledge it and run with it if it works and that also kind of comes from the mom too like the way the mom stole the idea from the uh Um, Was it Ransom who came in and parroted that idea back to him? So, you know, they do have a lot of similarities. They're both very strong personalities, but um, they just don't understand each other. And I think think some of us can relate to that with our parents. I know I can. Hi, Mm -hmm. Dad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, like. He doesn't know know what podcasts are. (laughs) <laughs> uh, peeling back that relationship a little bit further. It seems interesting that we were getting a few more hints at the backstory of what must have gone awry in um, Mariner's trajectory because, you know, she's already mentioned in previous episodes that she has been on other ships where she was um, doing explorations and making uh, uh, I think she was even brokering first contact kind of deals. And so she has had a much richer wealth of experience than her, her lower decks ranks would uh, suggest. So why she's been demoted back to this ship? I mean, I don't know if you guys have any particular theories, but it, it feels like some, some sort of last lifeline that she was offered by, her mom to come aboard her ship because she did something that she must not must have been outside of the bounds of of starfleet and if she's under her mother's supervision that's like the only way she's able to
0: operate i'm guessing i I am interested to find out what her deal is in terms of like why she's on the ship because when the when the mom was like well you can always transfer like she understood that her mom was trying to get her the transfer she -hmm. didn't want to transfer mariner doesn't want to leave the ship which you think she would, because her mom's a captain, and she always butts heads with her mom. So, yeah, I want to know why she doesn't want to serve on another vessel. Why I I get the theme of why she bucks command so much, because we're getting this picture of a, a command crew that is so uh, a little arrogant. And um, doesn't see the forest for the trees much, and does, can't see like five feet in front of them because of their ego. And it seems like she's been around that so much, especially with her parents being um, commanding officers, that she just doesn't want any part of that. But, yeah, I'm curious to find out what the details are. Like, why did she get demoted? Why, does, why exactly can't she uh, jump ship or move up the rank uh, I mean, in a legitimate way? Right. Yeah.
1: My theory is that she is actually enjoying being on her mom's ship because she can get away with so much more yeah. because it's her mom's ship. And yeah. so I bet, you know, my my theory would be that she was somewhere else causing trouble. Someone complained to her admiral father and she and he was just like, Okay, she has to be your problem from now on because they obviously are very into moving up the ranks and having this sort of legacy um within starfleet and so the idea that their kid would be someone who's negatively viewed in starfleet i think is something they're probably trying to protect
2: like hide it right yeah
1: and also just as parents like trying to protect her you know and the idea of like oh she's still kind of young she's figuring out what she wants like let's just let her be a little rebellious until she can find her right place right and so it can happen in this sort of guarded atmosphere
2: right but i I kind of i mean. I already mentioned this, but I, I kind of don't think that's the case. I, Her, the, the suggestion that she was on those other missions seems like she was operating in a highly effective and, and respectful manner to the point where she had risen in ranks and been able to go out and explore and go on these really uh, elite missions for a while. I'm thinking that there was some incident where she probably did, you know, w- w- how these stories go. She did something noble, which was mischaracterized and deemed um, against the rules and regulations of Starfleet. And so she has been relegated to being back on her mothership with a big chip on her shoulder about that whole incident. So now she's kind of checked out. She's letting loose and being defiant because she feels like all of her hard work didn't pay off. She still got stuck here and Starfleet didn't recognize how good she is, but she still is that good. Yeah, I mean that's the, that's like the story
0: beat yeah. what what it feels like
2: to me that, but I it's all see speculation. That. Yeah,
0: enough. that would make a lot of sense. I think mm-hmm. there is a there's a huge disillusionment piece that that we're missing. Like she she was close to command or in command and she just got disillusioned with the role or with the people around her because we we do see again this picture of the uh, uh of the commanders on this ship who are just kind of a bunch of self-important jerks and and even the commander on the other ship is <laughs> in this episode is a real self-important jerk so much so that he he gets everybody in trouble and almost kills everybody so uh, I yeah Freeman it makes sense that she, about
2: how boring that dude is so yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Tellerite. right it makes sense that she would uh bump up against command and not like the idea that they're just a bunch of self-important stiffs and get dis- disillusioned with that and say fuck this um mariah you hit on something earlier that i wanted to mention uh i think it was john luke picard who once said that you know how the federation doesn't have money anymore that our the currency in the 24th century is your reputation mm-hmm. and that if that's the case then mariner's parents are really holding on to that currency, you know, because they're high ranking um, Starfleet officials. And yeah, it would make sense that they would want to contain Mariner so she doesn't ruin the legacy of their family and fuck with their reputations. Right. Kind of sad, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the fun, you know, there's the flip side, which is Boimler, who gets so mad that she gets promoted to lieutenant and i just love his like weird moment in the hallway when they're like report to the bridge at 15 and he's like oh i will and they're <laughs> like what are you talking about and he's like oh i'm on the holodeck and i'm talking to moriarty which i thought was like a fun kind of callback to um
0: tng, TNG.
1: yeah because because yeah. uh, picard is always hanging out in sherlock Holmes situations
0: and Moriarty uh, okay. always escapes the holodeck somehow, and yeah, takes over the ship. Yeah, yeah. I, I think
2: one of the best parts of, of Boimler being going bad, going rogue, is <laughs> it reminded me of
1: spilling coffee. <laughs> th-
2: there's a, there's not a lot of things to love about um, Spider-Man three with Tobey Maguire, but I think when he get when Venom infects him, the worst that that Peter Parker can get is emo peter parker <laughs> where he's just like oh i'm gonna go do some uh some dancing in a club with black oh clothes on because i'm i'm evil peter parker now and it's like oh that's that's the worst that pure heart peter parker can get and th- i felt that way a little bit with boymore where it's like oh he he can't really be that much of a bad boy the most he can do is like accidentally spill some coffee and be like <gasps> yeah i'm
1: out I'm so bad. Live long and prosper.
2: Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, and, and Mariner being like, that doesn't look cool. Damn it, it does look cool. And he does. It. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that Bormler got a second to look cool. Finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was
1: good. <laughs> for one good. moment. Um, what did y'all think of Tendi's little B-plot throughout this episode? Good for jokes. Um, I didn't really I didn't, care
0: about it too much. Yeah,
2: I'm kind of there with you. I don't. I don't know much about the ascension and Q. I've only the few bits I've kind of gleaned from you guys. I guess it's someone who enters the fourth dimension,
0: exists outside of time, maybe. There's, uh, there's different variations of ascension in Star Trek and sci-fi. So yeah, um, I find that her
2: line delivery is bubbly and and, and infectious. So it's it makes me happy to uh, see her like so joyful about certain things in, in the show and it, all the sweeter when she kind of flips and just like is needy. And she's like, I need people to love me. Is that a, is that a, also like a product of her being a, an Orion is that green Orion. We don't know much about the Orions. We'd never really like dove in deep into them been very, been very like, much. Yeah. I thought they were the ones that were kind of uh lusty lascivious, but maybe well, not. them. Mm.
1: I mean, in like the original series there, it's like a lot of the green ladies are sold as uh, maybe unwillingly. Um, So it's, um, you know, we don't get a lot about their, their backstory, but I did hear an interest. I was listening to um, pop culture happy hour this week and catching up on that particular podcast. And they had a little mini sode about lower decks and, and um, one of them made the comment that Tendi is like the, the embodiment of this show in that she just wants everyone to like her. And this show kind of wants is like, is trying to find a way to make everyone like it as well. And I thought that was, you know, I didn't agree with a lot of the things they said on that particular episode of pop culture happy hour, but I thought that was an interesting um, thought in that Tendi is sort of like the, the writers, the authors being in there being like, please, please like us, please. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know, know if I go can. that far.
0: I, I do think that a lot of people watching this will relate to to a character who's really nice and enthusiastic and deep down cannot stand it if people don't like her and gets a little maniacal about that every now and then. I know I can go there sometimes, although you'd never know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um,
1: I d- but, yeah, I liked the Ascension thing. There was lots of, like, I, I found a lot of the things about her being like, oh, if you borrow from all of the cultures, you can ascend quicker, which right, I think is right. like a very funny commentary on today's sort of new age spirituality. And that they're like, we're going to just cherry pick from all of these other cultures <laughs> and call it something else. And then we're going to all recharge our crystals under the moon and we're going <laughs> to meditate and, ha- and do the Reiki and everything's going to be great.
0: <laughs> what did she say? Let me Reiki you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is um, that? What is Reiki? Yeah. It's like hands-on energy healing. Oh, okay. okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> I thought it was a Trek thing. Nope. No. Nope. It's a real life thing. It's a real life yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Tindy's delivery. I like how up and down she goes. I just, um, I don't know. I, I wasn't really into the, the subplot. It was just kind of a one joke thing until the end when they really pushed the Ascension joke as far as it could go. and And that's what I was saying earlier. This show is just... Driving headfirst into satire so hard that if you're like an old diehard Trekkie, seeing that a koala is, is, (laughs) is, you know the it's what you see when you ascend and maybe uh, all existence hinges on a a magical koala, it's gonna break your brain. But if you're someone watching the show and having a good time and wanting it to do its own thing and just be so satirical and weird and enjoying that. And wanting to see how far Mike McMahon and his crew are going to push it, then it's it's great. And I'm in the second camp. I think it's really funny.
2: Well, then, kind of playing off of that, how do you guys feel that this show fits within Trek canon then? Is this purely outside of it? Because it, it feels like it's established it is in the same world and that we should... To a degree, just sort of take some of these things with with a grain of salt that they're a little bit farcical, but overall the Cerritos was a ship in the world of Trek.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about it in the same way that in the world that we exist in, there are places to work that are subpar. Even within, like, (laughs) even within, you know, higher up establishments. I remember, um, I think a good example is, uh, I was listening to an interview once with, um, people who worked at the White House. And this was even under, like, the Obama administration. And it was right when, like, House of Cards came out and Veep was on the air and, like, all these political shows, right? Um, You know, West Wing had been on a while before that. And everyone was like, well, what show is, like, the most accurate is, like, what it's like to actually work in the White House? And people said Veep, which to me was – Terrifying, but also very funny in retrospect. And so it's like, if you think about how many layers of hierarchy there are, I would assume that some of that is going to leak into Starfleet. Like, we can't expect everyone to be a Picard, a Janeway, like a, a Kirk. You know, it would be absurd to think that everyone who is in charge is amazing. I think our case in point can be made in the current place we live in right now, like, <laughs> <laughs> of like what is happening. So, um, so yeah, so I think it is easy to think about how this can be in, in Trek canon. Um, you know, the Ascension bit was, f- I don't know if we've ever seen a character ascend. So it's, you know, up for interpretation and who knows if he actually ascended or something else happened to him.
0: Right. Right, yeah. I think um, in terms of, like, Trek canon, I want to mention something um, our buddy Nate Bliss said to me once about Star Trek Voyager. And Nate is uh, one of our patrons. He's in the Slack. Hi, Nate. And he's on chat today. Um, Nate recently, maybe a year or two ago, watched the the entire series of Voyager. He'd never really seen much of it. And he was like, there's something about the show. The tone is kind of off. It doesn't feel like it belongs in Star Trek. If you watch TNG and DS9, he's like, I kind of enjoy it. But he's like, my headcanon for Voyager is that there was a Voyager with all these all these characters. And they all got lost in the Delta Quadrant and came back. And then somebody interviewed them all and then made a TV show about it. And that's what we saw. <laughs> oh, so, that's great. I'm like, you know what? That kind of makes sense. And I was thinking, does would that, would that apply to um, uh, to something like Lower Decks? Is this like a show within the Star Trek world about Star Trek? And maybe that's how some people can put it together in their headcanon with the tonal shift and with things like um, that, the koala or whatever being, being the Ascension. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't really worry about that too much. Like, Sometimes I'll feel a tinge of like, oh, that doesn't feel Starfleet. Oh, that doesn't feel like the Federation. But then something really funnier and clever will happen and I'm right back in. So I guess I don't worry about it too much. Mike, I, I think we had discussed something
2: similar to that. Was it last week, Mariah, where we were talking about the music being in the oh, show? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. And mm-hmm. how that it's like self-referential for them. Like, oh, does, does the – do the other um, – exploits of 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 uh captain kirk and of janeway and picard do those get turned into shows within the world of trek that uh, they have seen as well and so now my head canon is that all trek shows that we're seeing are recreations of the world of trek all of them are are different (laughs) recreations but of a real otherwise trek
1: yeah i I mean why not (laughs) <laughs> why not or some <laughs> variation um yeah i thought so Haley joel Osmet was labeled as a, a guest voice on this episode which i think is kind of he's been making some like fun choices recently i don't he's know if, great. You, if so y'all good. have been watching uh, uh watch, he's so um, funny in
2: the boys yeah. In the shadows,
1: yeah. What we do oh, in the shadows. Everywhere. I loved that episode he was in. Um, but I'm, he's—I'm pretty sure the voice of O'Connor. And I saw some folks in the chat saying he also might have been the voice of Captain Durango. But I wasn't sure about that. Whereas O'Connor definitely sounded sounded like Haley Joel. But um, but yeah, I thought the O'Connor character was funny and like that line about how it's difficult to stand out in Starfleet. I think to me was one of the other. You know, sort of going back to this canon conversation and would something like the Cerritos exist in Starfleet, I think is a part of that conversation, right? It's hard for these many, many ships to stand out. Like, I mean, we hear about the big, even if we think about this here and now, if we use like the Navy as like a representation of, of Star Trek, not that that's like the, the end all be all like way to, uh, it's a closest space, analog,
2: right? Yeah, like it's the closest space thing. force. Just use oh my space God.
1: force. No space force yet, but it's like we all know, like at least that about the existence of like all the really big boats that go out, right? Like I, the aircraft carriers, and Love like boat. maybe some some of these bigger, more famous ships, right? Versus like we don't know about every person who worked on like a submarine or a little battle cruiser and like all these smaller vessels, and so it's like it would be it would make sense to me that there are smaller ships doing more menial tasks because that is a lot of what the military has to do when we're not like quote, you know, at war or doing s- war crimes. So it's like, <laughs> there's other things we have to go around and do.
2: Um, jumping back up to a-, a comment from Nate bliss, the, the very same uh, he had mentioned kind of what you were also talking about there. Mariah mm-hmm. um, says, I saw some potential foreshadowing for Mariner and Boimler. If things ever went sour between them, it could look a lot like Captain Freeman and Captain Haley Joel Tellerite. So I'm guessing uh, Haley Joel uh, did the voice for that captain as well. Um, Going on, he says, Both served on a ship while they were coming up in Starfleet, Freeman being the brazen, outspoken officer, and Haley Joel Tellerite being boring, insecure, and jealous of her. (laughs) Which I thought was uh, some interesting kind of insight and, and parallels between the relationship and, and dynamics of, of the two up-and-comers and the two established. Uh, I,
1: I don't officers, yeah,
2: yeah. I don't know uh, if you guys were kind of thinking that was in in a way a reflection of their relationship.
1: I mean, I could see it. I also thought it was just a nice reflection to say, like, "Hey, the Cerritos isn't the only ship that's kind of out doing these less." like fantastical tasks and so yeah like here's like another ship that has to do this kind of stuff and someone who's maybe even less um you know i, w- I don't want to say qualified but is even
0: I was like a flimsier less, ego
1: yeah like just isn't as up to par as uh, as like captain freeman is you know this guy obviously still has a big ego he needs to check because he needs to have be in the correct place in the formation while they're towing ships like essentially they were being tugboats tugboat right. spaceships <laughs>
0: <Like> <laughs> this is our task yeah. Chris Rogers has a really good comment um, he says it feels like this show is really good at poking fun at the Trek universe while it's still playing by those rules yep. and I think this episode really did a good job of that for the most part it It was like a million jokes per second, half of them or more were all about Trek Canon. But it's still paying homage and playing within those rules pretty well. Like it doesn't it might violate them here and there, but it doesn't make me want to scream as an old school trekker.
1: Yeah. And I think, too, the other thing I really that I've been enjoying about the animated show is that we don't have to I've said it, I think, every episode, we don't have to worry about like a special effects budget. Right. So I was trying to think about how long it would take to make a ship being turned into organic material and like how quickly outdated that might look, you know, after a certain point. And so it's kind of fun to get to see these very Fantastical things happening on the animated show that I think would be less possible on a live action series,
2: right? Uh, speaking of which, I mean that that sequence where both ships uh, are suddenly kind of uh, overtaken and infected by this uh, what, what do you call it terraforming um, organic matter thing that just like spreads like a, a foam virus throughout the ship. It was really cool to watch all that and seeing. The burst of uh, a lot of like underwater kind of plant life. I was wondering if the aliens themselves might be a little bit more aquatic based. Is, is that maybe the sense of what they're trying to show us based on the kind of life forms that were blooming there?
1: Yeah, that's uh, definitely possible. Like there's that fun line from Tendi when she's just like, God damn it, you beautiful coral. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in, in the world of, um, in later iterations of Trek do they talk further about like terraforming? because I know we watched the Genesis series of the Trek movies, and that was a lot of of what they were kind of exploring there but they, yeah. do they have they did they move beyond and like are, are they able to now terraform planets and like help uh, civilizations kind of relocate?
0: There's not like a thing? uniform terraforming policy that's been established, but it does come up here and there, but just like anything, just as it serves the plot. Like, in DS9, there was a bunch of Bajoran terraformers who were having their equipment um, uh, stolen or taken by Cardassians, and that caused a conflict. So, it's that kind of thing. It's just, like, kind of a background thing. Like, does this feed the the thematic plot we're trying to, to you know, to, to dive into here? There's not really a whole, you know, beyond yeah. Genesis. It
2: just seemed, like, super cool... Like game-changing kind of technology to kind of introduce into this this yeah. cartoon universe and be like, these people will figure it out a way to terraform an entire planet with just this this liquid
0: that kind of takes over it. And that was a little wild. Like, part of me was like, wait, did this? Do we know about this? As Klingons started a war about <laughs> this in the Genesis. Series, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I it was like, like a big deal. I was like, the generation ship. I know about the generation movie. <laughs> I've never heard about a generation ship that can terraform planets or turn a tricorder into a living being. That's wild. <laughs> but no, you, that was weird.
1: Yeah, I wonder what we'll get to see um, in season three of Discovery since we are jumping farther into the future. And so, you know, before... Uh, before Discovery, this and Picard are sort of our only glimpses into the farther futures of what's possible yeah. um, as far as technology goes. And obviously, we didn't see any of this specifically in, in Picard. Um, so this would be like the, the m- farthest in the future instance. We've sort of seen something of this caliber. Well,
0: in Picard, they had magic. They had a, a wrench that could be anything you wanted to be. Right. It could be mm-hmm. 10,000 Allison Pill smiles. Is is that Doctor Who? <laughs> oh, that's a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. right. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it's got to be wild to be one of the uh, architects of Trek at this point in time, and try to introduce new things while worrying about whether or not that interferes with one of some of the pre existing canon, and if they can kind of skirt the rules and get away with this these. Kind of technological advances in this story because you can't just do that willy nilly just to serve a, a plot of the week anymore. Because ultimately, these things, if, if you continue to establish them and then just kind of toss them to, by the wayside, doesn't it just kind of take away a little bit from? the 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 magical realism of of what the world is that they're establishing
0: yeah it's a pretty slippery slope but i think if you're gonna push it you're gonna do it in an animated comedy in the cartoon yeah. (laughs) yeah but no you you have a really good point like i'm sure there i hope there's not but there probably will be a point where i'll be like oh what the koala's back (laughs) And and he actually is the center of the universe. That takes away a little bit of the magic of Star Trek for me. Ruins
2: the joke. Because it's like, oh, we dedicated an entire season to the koala. (laughs) I was
0: like, I was cool with the tardigrade. I don't know about the koala. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely cool with the tardigrade.
1: It reminded me of that, like the end of the first Men in Black movie where it's like Mm -hmm. the big Mm -hmm. aliens playing with the marbles. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, we are all just tiny little marbles. (laughs)
2: So, uh, as far as Mariner um, getting the tasks and making the best of them, it, we, we saw this last week a little bit with Boimler where they were all being overtasked with a whole bunch of uh, work to make uh, efficiency rise. And he completely excelled at that. I feel like Boimler wouldn't even be concerned with trying to make a job fun, <laughs> whereas Mariner needs to be enjoying what she's doing. Um, he would just be like, the fact that I get to do this and do a great job to impress people is all the fun I need. And that's the, the charge and drive that he has. Uh, but it, I mean, it, it goes to show that all of these, our, our four heroes of the story, are all highly capable.
1: Yeah, I really liked that, you know, Rutherford, you know, definitely got the least amount of, of plot in this particular episode, but I, I didn't really mind we get to, we got to see more Mariner and Tendy. I hope we get to see more of the two of them as well, especially their band. I need another another song. <laughs> yes. um, but I love that Rutherford was just like, oh, man, I thought I was going to get to watch Data at this point, And then he gets to where he has to be. And he's like, oh, this Data is also really cool. Like, <laughs> I am the ultimate nerd.
2: <laughs> when Mariner gets promoted to lieutenant, she's no longer wearing a, a red shirt. She switches to yellow. What's up with
1: that? I was also trying to figure that out because I thought it was more to do with the department you were in. So I don't know if it's because she was then going to be more in uh, engineering or something or op. I don't know. She seemed to be doing a lot of ops work. So maybe they made her a lieutenant within the ops department is my theory of why she got a yellow shirt. Um, But man, I loved all of the references and her like. Her sequence of leadership events because we got to see the weird bar, um, like talent night, Oh, God. and then
2: <laughs> it definitely felt like there was a big string of deep cut references that I was not getting at all.
0: Yeah, the um,
1: all, lots of TNG. all of those
0: all of those horrible things that she had to attend that were like um, uh, higher. Upper Decks uh, social hour were mm-hmm. just all commenting and parodying uh, those type of event- events that we saw on TNG with Picard like and the, Riker and all them hanging out and playing poker. and That part I got. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember seeing that poker episode where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not
2: riveting. It's actually kind of boring watching these guys play poker.
1: Executive <laughs> poker. And then... Um, Oh man, when they were like, "Oh, and then uh, Ransom is having a birthday party, and it's mandatory, and then he's gonna he's gonna sing songs about his time in Barcelona," and (laughs) it's like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) at least it wasn't Ibiza.
1: Ibiza, like everyone who's ever had a friend who spent too long in Spain and comes back and pronounces it that way. Anyway, it was a great cut. (laughs)
0: There there are definitely a couple episodes. There are definitely a couple episodes of uh, TNG where people are mandated to go to like Data's poetry reading or Data like uh, doing some kind of musical performance that he's very technically adept at, but just has no soul and is really boring and Riker usually falls asleep. So, yeah, this was definitely winking at all that stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, So uh, to the to the people that are watching us currently over on YouTube or uh, on Twitch, on Periscope perhaps, maybe even even over on Facebook. Uh, I did want to say, if you guys do have comments about this episode, questions that you want us to read on air, you should go ahead and type P-O-D at the start of your comment and then go ahead and comment with your thoughts and we will bring those in in a moment. But uh, to you guys, I had another thought I want to kind of run by you guys. We are... We're, we're four episodes in right now, and I generally think that uh, one should give a show about four episodes to kind of get the the feel of, of how, how a show's flowing, the character dynamics, the voice of the show, and if it's something that you are going to want to stick with, or if it's not really your cup of tea. And I'm, I'm of course, on board. I mean, we're doing this show. I was going to be on board regardless, but now i'm kind of wondering with this show what do you guys make of the the vision and trajectory of the storyline beyond for for people that are lower decks that are just trying to make the best of their job and maybe rise to the ranks i guess is is there something else is is there a larger kind of plot arc that you guys are seeing yet
0: I think it's all character-based, and I'm I'm happy about that. Um, the someone in the comments said that this episode, the um, the overall, uh, the outside conflict that was driving all the action on the ship was very one of the most, probably the most Star Trek plot we've seen on this show, and that's really true. But it was also just kind of whatever. Like um, there was some cool animation to it, but I I don't really care about that stuff. I care more about. Um, how deep these characters are going to go, how they're going to relate to each other, how they're going to grow, what we're going to find out about them in terms of, like, Mariner, one of my favorite Star Trek characters now, what makes her the way she is, Uh, what are the secrets that she's hiding, did she get kicked off a ship for doing something uh, questionable? Um, I just... I watch shows for characters, for the most part. And I... I'm liking all these characters. I want to see more of Rutherford. Uh, every time he's on, he makes me smile and makes me laugh. And I ha- haven't seen much of him. But in terms of overall, I mean, the theme is just be yourself. And it's kind of aspirational. And I'm enjoying that. I I don't really think I need a whole, like um, several seasons, long, deep arc, you know, like this isn't, dark on netflix it's fine
1: (laughs) yeah i i definitely agree with you mike i think the characters are at the heart of this show i also think i i don't think i figured out what the overarching overarching message is going to be because this is so different from all other tracks we've ever had both in the it being a com you know it is a comedy it is animated but also because we are watching characters who are not their fully formed selves, like at all, you know, like we're not seeing people who are on the upper decks who have had their time in their career and like a past to sort of call upon as characters. Like we're seeing these characters develop their past. Um, So, you know, I agree. It's definitely so far. The idea seems to be like, learn from the crew that you're around in order to make yourself a better crew member, because you can't just stay totally insular and succeed like it takes the full crew for all of this to happen and even based on like the small preview we got for next week when they're like even though the ship is falling apart our job is to keep it together and i think that in essence is the theme of this show thus far is like and of a lot of star trek is like things fall apart all the time but we have to rely on each other to keep it together so um i mean yeah. yeah, community. I think that's like where we're going. I hope we get even more Mariner backstory. I think she like Mike has become one of my favorite characters. I'm excited to see more from Tendi because we don't have any concrete, you know, formation of the Orions as far as like how they act as Starfleet officers instead of, Uh, characters in a planet acting as sex symbols so i uh i'm excited to see where that goes and i think all of the character like the main character choices that they've made for the show have been have been smart and i'm and i'm in i'm i i watch it twice every week i don't think (laughs) if i didn't like it i would watch it twice (laughs) right yeah i mean
2: i definitely feel like this is episodic at this point i I could have taken and for the most part maybe without that that pilot one rearranged the order of these and it would not really have affected anything plot wise we're not we're not building on um our learning through a narrative arc so much as um continued little slices into the personalities of these characters Uh, with the exception of of maybe we're seeing the rise of, of Mariner to eventually um, be part of, of leadership. But I think that would probably also dest- destroy the initial structure of this being Lower Decks. And by Good. the very nature of this being a Lower Decks show, I suppose that means that they're not privy to the narrative arcs of the ship itself, its, its quest, and maybe some longer-running... Um, storylines that are that that we aren't aware of right um i I wonder if it's eventually going to kind of open up to that as this show um moves beyond just kind of character development because at a certain point i think we're gonna know our characters fairly well and then we're gonna want to see how they can grow within that kind of narrative arc but right now the 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 themes the the motifs that are going on here i'm Mm -hmm. i'm feeling all of it i think i'm right there with you guys i'm enjoying it a lot
0: yeah that being said i mean i i don't really need this to to move along that much i mean i just want these characters to grow inch by inch a little bit if we get a whole episode that's all about rutherford's um cyberpunk eye breaking down and everybody trying to fix it and it's funny i'm happy um Chupi says, there is definitely an ongoing message on the show of be yourself and listen to yourself. Don't be a rule follower just because that's the standard, because it doesn't always work as well. Yeah. It's definitely Break a theme the rules. of that. Mm-hmm. Home Chickie Grant, she says, uh, have an answer to Grant's question. I like that we saw Tendi have a kiss with a red shirt. And I like that Boimler will have a girlfriend for an episode next time we saw that on the, pre- on the on the next episode. So it's not just our four heroes so we're seeing more characters come into the show that's true.
2: but watching them maneuver through the lower ranks kind of like friends or a college show right it's kind of
0: this is kind of like the Star Trek Hangout show a little bit.
1: The new girl of Star Trek <laughs> <laughs>
0: The community of Star Trek. Mm, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm
2: -hmm. All right. I I can kind of see that. Uh, Kern said, uh, don't you want to see a duet with Ransom playing acoustic guitar and Riker playing the trombone?
0: I want to see their rendition of Faith of the Heart. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it.
1: Or Requiem for a hug.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I can go the distance with this show if it doesn't have the... If if it doesn't start showing a little bit more glimmers of the larger kind of mythology a- and drive for this show. Like, we definitely... That's so much of what we get in Picard and so much of what we get in Discovery. And, you know, just thinking about other other animated shows that I find I relate to the most, like Adventure Time or or rick and morty or bojack horseman like I, you really get these these narrative arcs in there uh, probably the least so is like a adventure time and even then they they pepper it in enough that you start getting this kind of more fleshed out idea of tragic backstory and 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 where things might eventually glow go glimmers of the future. Give give me some future crystals and show me some, some terrible destiny for some of these characters. (laughs) And, uh, let's see if we can, we can work out some shit there.
0: You see, I'm just like, give me, give me some more character growth. Like, uh, have Boimler realize that doing his best at these menial tasks, isn't going to do him any favors. And he has to figure something else out to get noticed, you know? Um, Have me uh, give give me an episode where, or episodes where Mariner realizes that she's not really fulfilled in what she's doing, uh, and maybe there is a way to reconcile her disgust for command with what she wants to do that will fulfill her um, on in her job and emotionally. You know, I want to see these characters grow. Give me an episode where Tendy. gives us the backstory of the of the orions and how she how she did not end up as an enslaved orion like we've seen many orions in star trek and how she is the complete opposite of that she's such a free spirit who can do anything she wants you know that's interesting and exciting to me um i just want to see i i think these characters when they brought them on board to this show even rutherford every single one of them all these four main characters Dropped hints about a really rich inner life and backstory that we have really yet to explore. So I think uh, that's going to be seeded out over the next, you know, however, how long this show lasts.
1: Yeah. And I think um, I think a lot about uh, Tuca and Bertie in this particular instance, because uh, that show, you know, the first few episodes does feel like sort of just a sort of like a little raunchy like women focused, you know, animated show. And then you eventually get to the heart of these two characters. And then the, by the time you hit the end, you're just like, wow, it all like lined up for a purpose. And so I have a feeling we're going to probably get there just based on like the writing staff of this show and like the talent that they've been able to pull in. I have high hopes for and, um, you know, and I'll see how that plays out. I know Tuka and Bertie finally just got picked up for a second season on like Adult Swim, I think. Uh, so I'll we'll get to see how that pays off for them in the longer run, as far as like a more deep seated. Uh, like adult animation show and how that they play with plot in that particular way. So I, I have hope that we're going to get those rich backstories like y'all have been talking about, but then grant to your point, I think we'll eventually also get to some of those larger, more meaningful themes that we've seen in some of the other Trek shows. Yeah, I
0: hope so. Uh, uh, I'm going to go off with a, another uh, comment from Choopy who says, what if it's not about growing into leadership, like Grant was talking about, because some people stay ensigns, but it's about teaching leadership how to lead better, remembering being Lower Decks. And I think, yeah, I think there sh- probably should be a lot of personal growth going on with the uh, the leadership on the Cerritos, so I can definitely see that happening, Joopy. Season three of this show is just going to be called
1: Dex. They all
2: graduate, <laughs> so it's Random like, Dex.
1: Yeah, decks. <laughs> decks. Or, or or each season they move up one, so then it's like lower-middle decks and then middle decks, and then we finally get an upper-decks.
0: <laughs> Upper-deckers, season five. What a deck. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're coming up on a hour. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod this week. Uh, remember, you can find us live on YouTube every Thursday, Talking Trek, and of course, we will be covering lower-decks every single week and... Continuing on to Discovery Season 3 right after Lower Decks. So go to Star StarTrekPod.co to subscribe.
1: Yeah, I'm so ready for Season 3 of Discovery as well. Which, did you all see? I'm sure all of you already know, but just to make sure we covered it, they're going to be airing Season 1 of Discovery on C- CBS proper. Yeah. So if you want an excuse to watch regular TV and check out Season 1 in preparation for Season 3, that will be available But if you're looking for additional content, you can also still join us over on our Patreon. There we have a whole back catalog of bonus content, including our Badass Women of Trek series, which we're going to pick back up soon. And then an entire Best of Seven of Nine series as well. Um, And we'll be continuing our uh, new J.J. Abrams Trek movie saga soon.
2: And uh, we're on we're on the social medias, guys. You can follow us over on Twitter and on Instagram at Star Trek Pod. You can tweet all about this episode. You can tell all your friends on it, on all of your your uh, you know. If I don't know if TikTok's still around or if that got sold oh, to Walmart <laughs> or whatever, but uh, you know, go ahead and make your your sweet TikTok videos about us and uh, spread the word. Yeah, you know, show, uh, show us your
1: show us your sarcastic Vulcan salutes
2: yeah there we go um, shout out to Karen who helps run Twitter and James Worm who helps run our Insta we appreciate you guys so much
0: again thanks so much for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod Grant where can we find you on the internet at Baron Von Grant Mariah
1: and I'm at Mariah Gossett that's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's
0: follow me on Twitter at Mike M Garcia come back to watch the live pod next Thursday 9 p.m. Central every Thursday at 9 Central live long and prosper.